Jesus went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley to a place where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place because Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas brought a detachment of soldiers together with police from the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they came there with torches and lanterns and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that was to happen to him, came forward and asked them, Whom are you looking for? And they answered, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus replied, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. And when Jesus said to them, I am he, they stepped back and fell to the ground. Again he asked them, Whom are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So, you have, so if you are looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfill what the word that he had spoken. I did not lose a single one of them, of those who you gave me. But then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's slave and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus. And Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword back into its sheath. Am I not to drink the cup that my father has given me? Then the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Jesus answered, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who heard what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said this, one of the police standing nearby struck Jesus on the face, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered, If I have spoken wrongly, testify to the wrong. But if I have spoken rightly, why do you strike me? And Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. They asked him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, the cock crowed. So they took Jesus and carrying the cross by himself, he went out to what is called the place of the skull, which in Hebrew is called Golgotha. And there they crucified him and with him two others, one on either side with Jesus between them. After this, when Jesus knew that all was now finished, he said, in order to fulfill the scripture, I am thirsty. 
A jar full of sour wine was standing there. So they put a sponge full of the wine on a branch of hyssop and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Let us pray. Spirit of the living God, we are here tonight encountering once again this wondrous and terrible story. Indeed, not to be taken in isolation, but as part of the grand narrative of your life with us. as we reflect on what has happened, may it help us hold steadfast to that which will come and happen in your name and in the risen Christ whose resurrection we anticipate. Amen. I'm not going to say a whole lot tonight, and hopefully it's not a cop-out, but because with what we have before us tonight, there is almost too much to say. There's too much to this profound moment in our faith that to say too much would, might be to say nothing at all. But in the meditation and reflection that I bring to this story, I cannot help but hear again a quote that has been attributed to Albert Einstein, and the quote has taken many forms, but the form with which I would like to use it tonight is this. He said, We cannot solve our problems with the same level of thinking that created them. We can't solve by extension or by extrapolation. And this is me talking, not Mr. Einstein. The problem of violence with more sophisticated violence. We can't heal rampant cynicism with more targeted cynicism. We cannot combat extremism with more extremism. To move us and to move our world beyond itself, we need that which transcends this world, but in a way that is present in the midst of this world. And indeed, throughout his gospel, John tells the story of a Christ who is that transcendent one, who in his transcendence is yet also in our midst. 
In the beginning, John wrote, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through Him, and without Him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in Him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. In this prologue, we hear, we see that which is profound dwelling in the midst of that which is mundane. And that juxtaposition between transcendence and that which is of this world shines in this story that we have read tonight. Maybe when you heard it, you recognized another scriptural account of a garden. But unlike the first one, which we heard a little bit about last night, this is a story of of God, of, of transcendence, leading the people to the garden and not casting them away from it. And in that garden, Jesus awaited with his disciples as this detachment of soldiers came. And John makes a point of telling us that they were holding torches and lanterns and weapons. But how feeble were those torches? How pathetic were those lanterns? compared with the light of the world, the life that was the light, that was the life of all people. And then we see Peter, who himself carried a weapon, who in his own fear and own need to control the situation, sought to combat violence, with violence, sought to address his own fear by inflicting fear and pain on the other. But Jesus said to him, put your sword away. Am I not to drink the cup that my Father has given me? And indeed, Christ speaks later on the cross of his thirst. I am thirsty, he said. And so there just so happened to be, though in John there is nothing that just so happens to be, a jar of sour wine. We can compare that jar of sour wine with the good wine that Jesus made at the wedding at Cana. The miracle that initiated, inaugurated, invited the world into the transcendent nature of who Christ is and was in their midst. We are a people thirsty for transcendence, for solutions to problems and violence and 
cynicism and pain and everything that we deal with that does not come from the same level of thinking, the same level of being. We are stuck in endless loops of our own narrative. We, like Peter, cannot help ourselves but to respond the way we always have and always will. But Jesus comes in this story as one who elevates while standing firmly on the ground. When he said to the soldiers, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. He said, I am he. But actually he didn't say, I am he. He just said, I am. I am. I am. Even his enemies recognized that in his saying that, he was essentially claiming his unique status as a transcendent one, as God's son with whom God was well pleased. Jesus in this story is in control of the narrative even as that narrative inflicts crucifixion on him. We've been singing the words of Psalm 22. Lord, why have you forsaken me? And why are you so far away? And in the other Gospels, those are the words that Christ says on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In those accounts, Jesus is like us. For these are our words. God, where are you? Why have you forsaken us? But for Jesus in John, there is not forsaking, there is only faithfulness. There is only fulfilling that which Christ himself wanted to happen because he knew that was what God the Father wanted to have happen. On my walks in my neighborhood with my dog, I often pass, and you often, I'm sure, do as well on your walks, homes with a big bay window that affords a view of the front lawn, and sometimes in that window there'll be a dog barking like mad. Sometimes the dog is little, sometimes the dog is big. But man, does he or she sound ferocious. And man, aren't I glad that there's a piece of glass between me and that dog. I can look at that dog and say, you do not scare me. You cannot hurt me. For this is my walk. For Christ as the dogs of his time sought to do him harm, there was not that plane of glass. Their bite drew blood. They took his life. But Christ, in his transcendent way, knew that those dogs were like those behind the pane of glass. They ultimately... They would not deter him. They would not deter the life that he was called to bring to this world.
in the Christ of this story of Scripture, we have one who does not necessarily relate to us, but one in whose transcendence elevates us. This Christ is in control. He leads the disciples to the garden. He carries his cross. And he is the one who will say, it is finished. And when he says it is finished, it is because of this transcendent Christ, human in our midst, that we can know that this this night, this world, this life is but only the beginning. There is still more to come. There will be more light shining in the darkness. Amen.